morning, good morning. This is Daryl Gray and Down by Law. WBOK, we're here today early in the morning. We're here to give you guys some good information, talk about some hot topics, pop culture, things that are affecting the black community. Good morning again. My name is Daryl Gray, and you are listening to Down by Law. Today's episode, Social Justice and a Cure of an Economic Injustice. Again, this is WBOK. You can call in whenever you like. Lee, what's that phone number? 504-582-9422. Again, this is a call-in show, guys. If you want to call and you want to talk to us, you want to uh, chime in on some of the stuff that we're discussing today, we're going to talk about economic injustice, uh, the black dollars. What are you doing? What are we doing as a community to support each other from a financial standpoint? And we're going to juxtapose that against the uh, social justice movement. You know, social, social justice is a hot button issue. It's all over the news. It's, it's, it's a part of our everyday lives. But in reality, economics are what drive uh, what drives America. So let's talk about that. Uh, we have a guest today. We're going to try to get her on the phone. She's appearing via phone all the way from Memphis, Tennessee. She's a uh, she's very involved in the social justice movement. Um, she does political consulting, a lot of different things. She wears a lot of different hats. She's a very, very, very intelligent woman. Um, we're going to try to get her on the phone today, Miss Christina Kirk. So we'll talk about that. Um, what is ju- what does social justice mean? You know, what does it mean to you? What 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 is your idea of social justice? Um, again, the phone number is 504-582-9422. And you guys can call in whenever you want. Um, we have a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in America today. Um, we've had some watershed moments. You know, I think that the one of the biggest things that has changed the dynamic of our country is the fact that we have uh, social media. You know, there's a social media generation. There's, there are people out here in America who have, have a voice who have, always lived with social media as a part of their everyday lives. You know, I remember when, when <laughs> I'm, I'm not that old, but I, you know, I'm going to date myself a little bit. I remember when everybody had house phones, you didn't have a, you didn't have a cell phone. You didn't have a, uh, a little device in your hand to access so many different people at, at one time and to bring the world closer, you know, the global, global economics and media and all of this stuff kind of goes hand in hand. Because now we're in a position to where the world just becomes a very, very tiny place with technology uh, leading the forefront. So that's one of the things that has uh, done a great deal to change the dynamics of America, change the dynamics of the conversation about race and society and what's fair and what's just in this country. So when you start to look at all these different and um, different changes in the in the culture and the community. That's what you started to see. So when you talk about social justice, most people, the first thing they think about is Black Lives Matter. You know, Black Lives Matter is a big movement. It's been a part of the conversation and changing the dynamics of America. You know, the transparency that we see now with what goes on uh, with some of these um, interactions with the police and things of that nature. That's all starting to come about based upon, you know, what, what we, what has happened with uh, this technology now is it's, it's there for everybody to see. So um, 
we're going to get Christina on the phone so she can talk about some of this stuff with us. Um, Christina, are you there? I am here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning, Attorney Gray. This is such a timely topic, and you really touched the um, uh, touched an important point. Is that, uh, and it's not one that is a new point necessarily, but we're seeing how much of a difference it makes in who controls the narrative. Um, and that is uh, the social media and the use of social media. And, you know, we were the first generation of folks to use it, but the ones that have come after us have mastered, um, you know, how to use it. It's integrated into their lives. So it really makes a difference in making sure that what we want to be the focus is, well, it has been, the fo- um, being able, giving us more control over what the focus of the story would be. And uh, that has been a great equalizer. And I think it's, it, without it, I'm not sure if what we see as the modern civil rights movement would have been able to happen. Okay. And I, I agree with that 100%. You know, nowadays with, so, with, with the evidence of injustice, um, the lack of equality being so uh, profound, what, what do you think that we need to do, um, well, what are the changes that you're seeing from the effect of social media on um, the conversation of injustice? Um, I think we've been able to center ourselves in the story, and that's been a very important part of it, and center our humanity in a lot of ways. Through social media, we've learned that um, uh, uh, his name was McCain, I'm sorry, I'm not remembering his first name, but the young man McCain who was uh, killed recently, that he was uh, a musician. Uh, we, we get to learn that people were daughters or mothers and um, what they loved, what their families thought about them. We see a different and more human perspective because a lot of times when something happens to us um, and, and when our rights are violated, we're made to also, we're also criminalized or demonized in the media and have to defend our character while also trying to fight this cause, fight the injustice that happened against us. And it's just an unfair, um, it's an unfair burden. So I think what social media has done is been able to give us access to our humanity and be able to tell our stories in the way that we choose to. I mean, there, we, we can't get away from all of the influences. Of course, there are going to be um, political pressures and uh, other influences on us because of the nature of the, um, the medium that we're using. But uh, I think it's really been uh, a great tool to move us closer to um, seeing ourselves and centering black humanity and black life and the reality of that, you know, uh, for a lot of, in a lot of ways prior to this, um, our stories were told by other people from outside and they had these uh, stereotypes and tropes that they rolled with. And uh, now that we're being able to break out of this, a lot of things are changing in terms of um, how we can, how we feel comfortable showing up in public and representing ourselves and what we feel comfortable sharing about ourselves. A lot of those things have, uh, have changed. And I think it's just because we have access to it. If that makes sense. It does make sense. But you know what, Christine, I, I, I'd be admiss if I didn't tell you we need to back up a little bit because we need to int- introduce you, let everybody know who you are, what you do, um, and how they yeah. can get in touch with you. My name is Christian Kirk. I am a consultant. I am uh, I work in journalism, and I, I run some media platforms. You can get in touch with us. Uh, you can get in touch with me via Wonder Woman. Uh, that sells at Wonder Woman, W-O-M-B-M-A-N, and that's for media um, um, broadcasting. Uh, but 
also for my personal consulting services, you can get in, in touch with me at CK Media Services at Gmail. So that's going to be uh, Christian at Cube Creative. But our tech team is working on that right now. And we're going to we're going to let them uh, we're going to give them that information a little bit later on as well, um, just to cap it off. But uh, yet yeah, when I tell you a level of intelligence, that's like no other. Christian is somebody who's just different. She gets it. She she's very profound in her thought. And she's uh, she's an effective uh, advocate for for change and equality um, in the black community and with people as a whole. So we, we you know, we we're lucky to have her on the show to talk about some of these issues and walk through yeah. some of this stuff. That's uh, I think you really oversold me, but thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, Listen, the thing is. I, I, we, we, the thing that brings us all together is that we all be- believe in equity. We believe in fairness. And, um, you know, it's the reason, it's one of the reasons that you, we talked about that you went into law is to give people uh, a fair shot. Right. You know, it's so often denied to us. So that's the reason you went into law. It's the reason I went into activism. And it's so, uh, you know, it's it, fun- it is the center. And the, go ahead. It's funny that you say that because something as simplistic as, humanizing a person in a, in a storyline and yeah. in, in a, in a whole, in a picture, right? That's, that's one of yeah. the things that I focus on when I'm in trial. I want to make sure that, you know, it's just not about the actual issue that we're in, in court about. It's about the players, the people who are involved. So when you, yeah. when you take, when you take the aspect of humanizing the storyline and bringing it into focus, people tend to re- they tend to relate to that a little bit more that, that, that resonates more with people because now they start to see their cousin, their, their brother, you know, the next door neighbor, yes. it changes the understanding of the situation and, and it brings it closer to home and how all of these issues that we're dealing with, that we're seeking equality for can happen to anybody. It's just not, it's just, and, and anybody. It's, just it's just not a black issue. It's just not a, it's not a white issue. It's a people issue that we have to talk about. So, um, and that's, that's, that's one of the things that's so great, like you said, about social media. And I know you've worked in mainstream media. Um, I know you have a lot of stuff going on where you, you know, you're very active on social media. Now tell me, tell me, you know, what, what are some of the differences, uh, outside of what we just talked about when it comes to the, um, to social media versus mainstream media and, and these narratives? Oh, that's such a great question. Uh, the the thing is the freedom to tell the the truth as you see it. <clears throat> or, <clears throat> pardon me, the truth. Period. The freedom to tell the truth. Um, in mainstream media, there are some parameters there, and sometimes they're spoken, sometimes they're not. But you, the stories are framed the same way. Basically, you know, we have same intros, outros. Black people are kind of covered. We we don't get into. Uh, emotional stories about black people. You have to convince your whole newsroom that that's a, a thing to do, right? Um, and a lot of times, even black journalists who are in the newsrooms can get into the habit of just doing the things the way that they were, and we don't get in there and make a difference. I couldn't stand that kind of environment is the reason that I went, to, went into independent <laughs> media, because I really, <laughs> it's really important to me that our stories are told authentically and uh, that show the breadth of what black life is. I mean, we are some of the most... Um, enigmatic people on the planet. People want to know who we are, but then we end up, I don't know why we always end up uh, um, being robbed of that in media narratives. So what social media has allowed to happen is just to see the reality. Like black people are hilarious, funny, loving, uh, family oriented, all of these things that 
I think it, it, prior to us having access to our own narratives and being able to tell them ourselves, um, people didn't even know we were like this. People didn't know how <laughs> wonderful we were, you know? So they would get into a jury and they believe anything, any horrible anything, thing yeah, that people yeah. wanted to cast upon the, us the, because the, they didn't the have Willie Horton, other The Willie Horton effect. The Willie Horton effect. You yes. Know? And, and we are, you know, the, the, the thing about our culture, we, well, our people, we are cultural catalysts. You know, we, we drive social culture in America. It's always been that way from the advent of jazz and, and gospel music and so on and so forth. You know, yeah. what we, what we bring to the, the conversation, what we bring to the narrative, can, it, it has shaped America. You know what I mean? Like, so that's, and, and, and being able to see that on social media and seeing like, you know, if some challenge takes off, if you, if you go to the origin of that challenge, where did it come from? And then it, it, it has wide ranging effects. And that's just a, you know, a small, simple example, but it's the, it's the shock waves of what we bring to the conversation, what we bring to the table and the, the, the monet, monetization of that too. You know, you got to think about all of that when it comes to, um, Equality, justice, because for me, I've, oh, I, I always say part. this. I always say this. Economic justice is justice, especially in a capitalistic country. You know, if you don't have Absolutely. economic power, you have issue. You're going to have issues. So we're going to, you know, that's the second half of the conversation. We're going to get into that. But oh, we want to frame it out. You know, we want to make sure that we 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 know who we are, what what you know, what we need to do, what what some of the issues are, and how do we bring it into focus from an economic standpoint, so we can move for, forward a little bit better than we are right now. Um, and, you know, that's that's one of the biggest things. I know you, you with your with your mainstream media experience and, and background, you've seen so many different ways the narrative is shaped without our voice being um, really considered. Yeah. And that's important when it comes to changing things around and changing this narrative. Oh, you brilliantly set that up. I'm ready for the next part of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> So look, that's really important. Here's the thing, like you know, what what have we learned? What have we learned going like where we are right now? What are what are the changes that are happening? What's what are the next steps? In your opinion, what should we be doing? What should we be focusing on through the social media? I mean, yeah. um, through the social justice initiatives that we have out there now. I think you hit it on the head, and it is economic, the equity economics, right? So the other equalizer in social media is that we are able to profit from the talent we bring to the table. So you've seen more black little millionaires and, and really, you know, people pop up just because they're talented and people want the product, right? So that's, that's on the marketing side. But that thing about which, what that which means have Which you have, which you have a, a, a lot of experience in as well. You know, that's something yes, that, you, that's something you. you can offer in and with your consulting business. I'm, you know, but that's something that – let's talk about that for a minute. Give them, give them some, some juice on that in terms of what we, what we need well, to do different. So what we need to do differently is, is, is our focus needs to be on ensuring that we benefit from what we bring to the table, right? Making sure we're setting up systems and protections for our people to do that. Um, and that w with those protections and with the profits that come from things that w if we protect our economics, then we have the power to fight the things that we need to fight in policy and for, uh, to get the legislation and those things that we need to get, because then we have the power. We can't depend on people's goodwill. We show we, what's, what's this season of uh, social justice has shown us is that we can't always count on that. In, in fact, it's rare that you can. There's often a lot of other things at play that prevent us from accessing justice via somebody's goodwill. That's not the way it comes. 
We have to fight for it. We have to be strategic. So I think one of the main focuses that everything should be shifting to is protecting black economics. So everything that I'm working on right now, any clients that you see me take, anything like that is going to be focused on equity. Everything is cause-based. And we need to be committed to that and laser-focused on that um, at this stage. And I think it's – I don't want to – I don't want to imply that it's time to leave protesting and putting information out. That is a component that needs to stay as a constant. But I think for the people who have the skill to do this part, we need to start putting protections and safeguards in place, in particular to protect the assets, assets and access of black Americans. We need to be focused on that at this point in the game. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's funny that you say that because I always, I always say that everybody can't take to the streets and protest. You know, a lot of times those grassroots movements are underfunded and they, they but the, with the lack of black uh, economic strength and support of those or those grassroots organizations, they can be hijacked if they're not, if they're underfunded and they need funding. Um, that, that, can, that can change the narrative, too, because at that point, once you, once the money gets in, in, into play, then, you know, there's some controls put in place there's strings attached to money almost all times like they say there's no free lunch you know what i mean so that's something we have to to consider when we start talking about um black economics and um let's talk let's let's go back a little bit and let's talk about black economics from a historical standpoint um and then we can kind of bring it back to the center in terms of what what's going on now what we need to do you know a lot of times we don't I'm a history major. I grad I graduated with a history degree. So, you know, if, oh, if you wow. don't know if you don't know history, you're doomed to fail to uh, to repeat it, right? So, that's a failure mm-hmm. on our part. We have to understand where we come from and who we are and, and how we got to where we are right now. Um, you know, back in the day when we had segregation and you know America wasn't as open as it is now, I would say that because uh, freedom is a com- <laughs> completely different subject, but it wasn't mm-hmm. as open as it is now. You had you had a black economic structure that was based upon us interacting with each other and the lack of, we didn't have the ability to uh, go into other mainstream quote unquote mainstream businesses and do business. So we had a power structure based upon the economics of the community. You know, you had black wall street and, um, uh, and what the city in Kansas, where they had the riots at. you had these, well, you essentially had all of these black, economic infrastructures in all of the major cities where, you know, you did every bit of your shopping, whether it be grocery shopping, whether you bought a dress, you know, where you went to the doctor, the dentist, um, your lawyers, everybody was there in a one particular area, you know, and that led itself to us creating a lot of uh, black wealth and stability, so to speak, within our community, uh, even though we had, it was like insulated, even though you had, you know, you had, you had all the stuff going on with the, you know, the racism and the segregation and things of that nature on the outside, on the inside of the community, we had some stability based upon um, the lack of interaction with white culture. So, and you know what that also was, was a refuge, like uh, the human side of it is that that became a refuge. You had that outside world you dealt with, but then we had this world of us. You know, and I think we're at a point now where we're realizing that we need that, and that's community. We need that, and we we're, we're lacking that, and, and I think that's that's part of that's part of what we're missing now. But I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's 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 one of the things. It was a you know we st- we keep we keep moving the uh, the human aspect of of the storyline 
into focus, that's because that's what normal life should be like, right? You should be able to walk out of your house, mm-hmm. you know, do whatever you need to do and just live a normal life. Like you want to go to a grocery store and grab groceries. You shouldn't go in that grocery store and fear that some somebody's going to call the police on you because, you know, you're texting in line at the grocery store or something outlandish like we, we tend to see uh, rising to the top of the news feeds nowadays. So going going back into to that situation, you could live your life insulated within a black community and really never go outside a community depending on the size of the uh, city and, and the community itself and not have to do business with anybody else, you know? And, but at the same time, we were still socially restricted and that's, that's unfair. And that was all, you know, yeah. during the civil rights movement, that was one of the things that people wanted to change. You wanted to have the same opportunities. You know, how do you grow your business in a country where economics are everything, but you can't go to the bank and re- get a loan to continue to grow a very successful business. You know, those are the yeah. kind of things that we we were hindered by. We still deal with that today, but it's not on the same level that it was then. So when you start talking about black black business and black economics, we come from a place to where we have been successful at business without question. There's a track record and a history of that. So that's one of the things that from a history standpoint that we have to keep keep in place. So you don't don't be don't be afraid to do business because you think you're not going to be successful at it. And we've been doing it for over a hundred years in this country when we had other things to deal with. Yeah. And what is the lesson that we take away from that? You know, back then we were focused on the protecting of assets and economic access for black, for, for ourselves. And now we've been pulled into this position where we rarely can advocate for just that. Right. It ends up getting diluted with a whole lot of other stuff. And then that main piece, is always missing. So that's where we need to be. That's where we need to steer the conversation back to not this conversation, but the general political conversation. We need to make decisions about who we're voting for, who we're putting our um, um, support behind based on how they've impacted some key factors of black life, our economics, our access, our, our um, standard of life. You know, we need to be looking at these, these things, justice, if they have not impacted these things positively, there shouldn't be any kind of devil's advocacy, uh, playing games and trying to mend and piece it together to make us support them. If these people have not, if they have not been allies to you or to us up until now, there's no reason they should have our support. And this is how we, that's one of the main things that we should be focused on as well, really being laser focused on what we represent and stand for and will accept politically. Because right now we're in a powerful position that I'm not sure we will be able to come back to. We, we can leverage that power to, into something meaningful, but we have to have people focused on that. Right. And they can't always, you know, we can't always give it all away at the negotiating table, which tends to be what we do. Yes. And that's the thing. Like, what do we get out of it? You know, where are we going with it? What's the, uh, what's the overall goal? You know, I think I always, when I, when I think about what's going on today in the social uh, justice arena and, and the quest for equality, which has been a uh, strangely and, and, uh, to a certain level of disappointment has been always, you know, part of the the uh, narrative and the uh, conversation in America. You know, I, I always kind of, I always look for historic examples. I'm, I'm a, I'm a data junkie. I like to know what are we talking about? How, and, and how was it important and how has it changed and what can we do to make it different? You know, what, what are we basing all of these conversations upon and this information that we have? You know, I, I look at, I, and I said all that to say this, you know, if you go back and, uh, the Fred Hampton movement that just came out, it was really, really, you know, hot and, and there was a lot of buzz about it. But 
the underlying the underlying story uh, was that with Fred Hampton and, and so many other people of their time and their era, it wasn't just about, you know, black people or, you know, brown people or whoever. They wanted to, they wanted equality across the board. It, it was more about class, you know. You start to think, you start to see the, the class conversation that comes into play. And that's that's solely based upon economics. You know, Fred Hampton was galvanizing a, a lot of different groups. Uh, you know, like just like we had the poor people's campaign and all of this stuff. That is a real situation that we have to not kind of get too skewed and too too um, have blinders on too much focusing on just us when we need to focus on how to change the situation and the climate for everybody because it's you know as the old adage goes uh, about lifting the, the you know the boats of what's how does it go. The uh, the rising tide lifts all boats. There you go, <laughs> that one. <laughs> but, you know, I have to push back against that a little, Daryl, because I'm looking. If we look at the data, it looks like the tide rises, and some of us, a whole lot of us, drown, and there and the other boats lift. So I think we need to start restructuring how we align ourselves politically. We should not be right now. What we need to be focused on is protecting, gaining, protecting, uh, and protecting our rights and access. I think it's fine to align ourselves and ally with people who have similar uh, interests or need, uh, need similar things. But these things need to be more strategic and based on our, um, based on what we uh, agreed upon uh, um, um, returns on that investment. So I, I think far too often we get tasked with defending, protecting, and fighting for everyone, and nobody does that in return for black Americans. So what we're faced with now is this situation where we're still getting violated, still getting lynched, all of these things, and we're starting to get some worldwide attention to that. Um, but that's largely, in my opinion, politically generated. You know, there was, we were trying to galvanize votes and get them to the polls. But for this everyday, um, these everyday issues that we're talking about, access to college um, for black Americans, um, uh, access to jobs that pay living wages, um, protection of our rights and being able to even fight, uh, have a fair shot at w- when you do uh, run into any of these conflicts. All of these things are things that we're still struggling with on a ground level. The same arguments, the same fights that we had 50 years ago are now, are the same ones that we're having now. So we need to be focused on our progress. And I don't think we can be, we're focused on trying to be the rising tide right now. We kind of need to hone on in and, and maybe I don't have a, um, I don't have an analogy for it, but we need, to, we, we need to be focused on our little pool. Well, you point. know, see, my thing with that is at this point is now or never, we got to have some non-negotiables in the conversation. I'm okay, I'm okay yeah. with working with, you know, other people and, and us, you know, having some unity on, on common issues. But for us as a culture, we have to have some non-negotiables. You know, and some of that, some That's of that, st- the stuff that you just talked about, those are the non-negotiables. We're not a part of the conversation. We have, you know, not only do we have a track record in the history of economic success in this country, despite the odds, we also have uh, infrastructure for 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 the uh, social change. And we we have we have something to go look at in terms of how we need to approach social justice. We've been we've been crying and fighting for a long time, so we know how to do that. We got that in spades. So at this point. Again, you know, the America is changing. Um, I think we, we're so far down the road. We have to put our foot down and say, hey, this is what we have to have in order for this situation yeah. to move forward. That's it. You know, yeah. and, when, when and I think when we do that, we'll see we'll see a drop of that voter apathy that's been uh, proclaimed 
among uh, black young voters. The thing is, don't wait till people till it's time to get people to the polls to start talking about their responsibility to vote. Like we should all be making sure that the candidates are people that are aligned with our interests. And, and so who's doing the negotiating? Who's deciding right. who these people get to be? Because if like if, if there are no non-negotiables, what are we doing? Right. What right. does it mean to get everybody out to the polls, all the black folks out to the polls, if there's nothing at the polls to benefit black people? So how do we... There's no results from that that benefits us. So, you know, so that's, this is the thing that we have to work on. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we focus in on that particular issue? You know, what, how do we get to a point to where the, the, the lead negotiator for us is somebody that has the interest of the greater good in, uh, in hand? Like, how do, we, how do we handle that? You know, again... Yeah. I just talked about like grassroots or some of these organizations are so underfunded and they just don't have a, a clear, concise message. But we, the, the, the attention is there. Now, what do we do with the attention? Um, I think that we support black media outlets that are trying to tell us the truth. And I'm seeing a lot of support for that. We've even throughout this recent, um, um, you know, uh, with the recent protests, and I, I think we're seeing people run to media sources that they can trust that are from us. So that's a really important aspect of what is happening. I think we need to support those because we need outlets that are willing to tell the truth, tell the story, and make us aware and bring these things to national platforms. So one thing is really supporting platforms that bring awareness. The other thing is if you have a skill, share it with somebody. Leave a legacy. It's not just about you. If you have a skill set, take somebody under your wing. That's part of your black responsibility. Like, we all have to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you <Right>. know? <laughs> and... The other thing is we have to be willing to have critical conversations about black candidates. Right. It, it, it should not be where if, if they're black, they automatically got our vote. And we can't criticize them because if you criticize them, it's, no, they should be fleshed out just like everybody else. There has to be um, a litmus test. All skin folks. Ain't and we have to folks. decide where the line is. <laughs> and, and black excellence so is a real thing, right? Black excellence is a real thing. And we have to hold we have to hold Indeed. ourselves accountable. And, and that, hey, so let's talk about some of those media outlets. Like, what are some of the black media outlets that that people need to be aware of? You know, I, I don't want to, I, I, without the permission, I don't want to get into too many of them. But, but I, I'm, we share, we have our platforms, which is Wonder Woman, Black Love Matters, too. We have, um, uh, there's, because of, we, because of them, we can... Um, but, I mean, many of you will probably have these black outlets because a lot of them are not even formal publications. These are private citizens who want to change the narrative. So if you find those on your social media, big them up, share with them. If you come to them, if, they, if you have some skills that you can add to it, ask them if you can be a part and add to it. These things, these, and listen, we have whole networks of people who are just volunteers who love to do this and who care about telling the truth just like we do. And it's not even profit-driven, you know, so it's it's about, getting the word out, changing the narrative. And we have people committed to that, and that, to me, is a great equalizer of social media. So when you come across these platforms and they are effective in doing this, support them. That's, that's one major thing you can do. It's so passive. It's something that doesn't take any more energy uh, than, than picking up your phone. But it makes a huge difference. Share the content. Talk to people. If you find something that's meaningful, get your talking points about it. If you're sharing it on a platform where you know people may have pushbacks, educate them about it. Okay. And I know a lot of us are tired of educating people who have been, um, uh, who people who have been activists or have been uh, teaching this uh, social justice and uh, race theory and all of these things for so long. A lot of people are tired of educating people on it. But it 
all of these factors are part of James. moving us toward the goal of black um, autonomy and power and access in this country. Hey, we got a we got a caller, uh, Christian. Christian, we're gonna bring James on. James, are you here? Okay. Yes, sir. Good morning, to y'all, man. I'm loving the show. Good uh, morning. I appreciate so, that. Good morning. Uh, watching those, uh, watching, being a watchman community is, is is an awesome highlight. But without a list of who you're watching, I fear that there are a lot of people in my in our age bracket and younger, sometimes even older, that have no idea who they're watching or what they're watching for. So I just want to say, Troy Carter, I'm watching you. Uh, Mayor Keedy, I'm watching you. I just want to say that, you know, everybody who is in a position of power, this next race for Troy Carter seat, we're watching you. You know, uh, we we definitely need some accountability from our leaders and some sort of explanation as to why and where the decisions that were made uh, were made on our behalf without bringing them to the table. So that whole unit that's planning to, to build uh, uh, <laughs> hydroponics or whatever the heck they're trying to do out here in the East, we're watching y'all too. Thank you. I'm going to hang up and listen. All right. Thanks, James. We appreciate your call. Thank you, James. Yeah, that's the transparency in the political process. Transparent, like we just we're just talking about now, just holding leaders accountable. Uh, that's that's going to be. I mean, with social media, that's an easy thing to do. Everybody can be called out on on stuff that just doesn't make sense or that doesn't follow with the uh, the narrative that we you know we're trying to move forward here. So I, I agree with you know making sure that we have a some transparency in the conversation. That definitely needs, that is a huge part of it. And the thing, other part is when you have your local officials who are pushing for things like transparency, the other thing, listen to your local officials, listen to your uh, uh, city council meetings, your commission meetings, all of these things. If you have a, if you have time, instead of listening to something for just entertainment, make sure you're playing those things back and tuning into them. And listen for those politicians locally who are calling for transparency. Who are saying, look at this, like follow the, this, this is what the loss is. You have to look, listen to those people. Cause more than, more times than not, if you look at their record, they're the ones who have a record of advocacy and they, they will face the most resistance. So that's another thing that we can do to just bring awareness and make sure we have the right people rising to the top. Tune in and pay attention. Pay attention to who's fighting for you and who's selling you down the river. See, a lot of times we don't watch any of that. We're not, we're not looking at our city council meetings. We're not listening to our uh, county commission uh, uh, proceedings. We're not listening to uh, – we're, we're getting all of our news filtered through a person that brings it to us in the form of journalism. And there, by the time it gets to a newsroom, a lot of decisions made about what becomes important to get to you. And, lot, uh, and it has a whole lot less to do with uh, matters of importance and relevance to your life than commercial dollars. So you need to have to do the due diligence and find this information out for yourself. Do your work. Yeah. That's a, that's we, we don't need to suffer for lack of knowledge, especially when it's as accessible as it is right now to us. Yeah, that's, I was just about to say that. Nowadays, you know, it's easy for us to see behind the curtain. You know, uh, exactly. when, when, you, when you wait for media to give you the information and it's been distilled and passed through so many different people's hands, it's, it's, it's watered down at best. It could be an outright falsity. You know what I mean? So that's one yeah, of the things. That, yeah. Right. That's one of the things that we have to make sure we pay attention to. Um, I've, I've found myself over since I've gotten so busy, which is, you know, a different conversation. I found yeah. myself not looking at 
you know, not watching network news. I don't get my news. Yeah. I don't get what's going on from network news. I, you know, I used to be, I used to wake up in the morning and turn the TV on and watch CNN every single morning. I can't tell you, I don't even know who's on CNN now. I hadn't done that in three or four years, but at the same time, I'm keenly aware of what's going on in the world. You know, that, that says a, a volumes about how everything has shifted. You know, there's not so much about, it's not so much about formulating a uh, pretty package to distill the information to the public. Now you can get it for yourself. And if, and, and, and you have to be critical with what you see, you know, the, the thing when I was, yeah. uh, when I, when I started law school, one of my professors told me that, you know, the best way to be a good lawyer is to read uh, news articles, read the newspaper and write an editorial. I sent a center of, a critique in, you know, that way, that way you take information, analyze it, and you, you just make your arguments or you make your comments based upon that. But we all have to. Oh, that is really good. That's, that's, but that's the way you should live your life. You should live your life with a critical lens. You should always look at things and try to figure out, you know, why this is happening. Who is it happening to? What, what's the effects of it? You know, break down the information and just don't let people spoon feed you what happens, you know? That's one of you know. That's one of the things that that we not only in general people in general, but especially us, we need to know what's going on in our community by being um, into looking into what's going on and, and analyzing the information. That that's the, that that is the most important part. And redeveloping those critical thinking skills. I'm glad he gave you a tool of how to do it. Read the newspapers and write an editorial. That is huge. That is a brilliant, and, and it's funny because that is the way that I even will process information to put together a show or to do a rundown. Those things are important to do. You have to have a critical lens. Without it, you're you're being told what to think. Right. It's not an original thought. Right. You have not processed it. You don't have the data. So look for all of, make sure you can have as much information as you can to make the right decisions. And, and the, this is how we move forward to changing our experience here in this country. We have to be informed, informed voters, informed activists, informed allies. It's critical. Yeah. You it's know, critical. I, it's, we can't just be performative anymore. Right, right, right. And I've heard, you know, I've, I, I know there's a lot of like people are, it's, it's funny because there's always a, a dark underbelly to anything that, that is uh, a part of your life, so to speak. And with social media, a lot of people tend to, tune out from social media because they start to get uh, depressed or, and are uh, just over it. You know what I mean? Like the constant constant onslaught of information and things that are happening. Yeah. People just putting their voices and out particularly, there. particularly um, the negative, uh, like the trauma, trauma P-O-R-N, uh, that we tend to indulge in, especially when it has to do with black bodies. Like we would, um, if some, if you see, if there's a video of a black person being assaulted, shot, or having their rights violated, and we want to show that, we want to show the most gory, the most graphic, you know, version of that, over time we become desensitized, particularly to violence toward us, but it also has an effect psychologically on us. You know, and that's part, I think, where part of this defeatism comes from that so many of our people can carry, where they just think it's not even any use. Don't surround yourself with that. Surround yourself with people who are actually creating the change. 
Okay. And, you know, it, I think all of this, all of this factors into how we go to the polls. I mean, just like uh, psychology affects the stock market, it affects the votes. And if, we, if we're going into this, going to the negotiating table and we're deciding what the line is based on coming from this defeated uh, um, uh, uh, psychology of it, if we're, we're approaching this whole thing from, well, it's no use. We might as well just, you shouldn't be, don't even go, don't, don't vote, don't do anything if that's the way you're coming at it. Because we have opportunities to create change. And we have to get focused on that. And everybody has a role to play. I agree 100%. If you just tuned in, this is Down by Law with Daryl Gray. We have Christian Kirk, who is a uh, social activist maven. Uh, We're talking about, uh, this is a whirlwind conversation about black economics, black political um, changes, black business, black uh, social justice how all of this stuff is kind of, you know, put in a blender and it's affecting everyday black life um, in America. So this is a this is a good conversation to tune into and to uh, get some some jewels from, um, you know, Christian, you know, one of the things, too, that <clears throat> I think people fail to to understand about um, social media is that you like you say, it's just not about you get we tend to get desensitized to um, all of the stuff that you see over and over again, the injustice, and that that can be normalized in your mind if you don't, uh, if you get so used to seeing it all the time. What do you think? What do you think uh, we can do to prevent that from being the case with with a lot of people? What are one of the th- what you know? Give us some tips or something. You know, just some thoughts in terms of. How do you keep yourself from being desensitized? Do you unplug from social media every yeah. once in a while? Do you, you know, you take a you you take a different approach in terms of how you ingest your your information? I think you know going to like you said going to city council meetings and things of that nature kind of gives you a different take on um, how the information is distilled. You know how how the conversations are being had. You know what what do mm-hmm. you think about that kind of stuff? I think we have to approach, and that's a, another amazing question. You, you're really good at this, Attorney Gray. Uh, <laughs> but it comes back to doing everything with intention. What is the intended outcome? Yeah. Right? So, um, and, I, and intention doesn't catch everything because, you know, we're going to, you know, it's not perfect. But I think it will be a better guidepost than just kind of freestyling it and going on, uh, engaging with social media with no intent. So I think everybody should have a theme. Like if you're if you're uh, on social media, you should have an intent for being on there. And it's not just. And I know a lot of us. You may have a casual page just for family and that kind of thing. But still, that's an intent. The purpose is to communicate with family, share information. So I think a lot of the things that we're doing, I think folks have become mindless in, and we share stories without reading. I've been guilty before as well. But we share stories without reading them. We'll share things that are shock value. We'll share things that are, you know, we contribute to this bombardment of the noise. And I think setting intention with everything that we're doing, how we're engaging with social media, how we're engaging politically, that starts to change the outcome dramatically. So that would be my feedback on that. So so you're you're basically saying scroll responsibility. Responsibly. <laughs> like, you know, like drink, drink responsibly, scroll yeah. on the social media time feed yeah. responsibly, you know, like have, Listen, a, have, have, don't have even. <laughs> what you say? Uh, no, because I, I was going to say, we don't have 
a lot of data. We don't have all of the data yet about how we are psychologically impacted by social media. But the, what we do have out is kind of troubling, you know, right. um, that, that it can cause depression. with people. So we have to be careful about that. And with everything else we have going on, you really don't need something that's just pulling you down. So if you don't have intention for going on there and you're either going to uplift or you're going to inform or something like that, you really don't need space for anything that's pulling you down, period, because we've got too much other stuff to focus on that we have to get done. As a people. If you're listening, 504-582-9422, that's the number if you want to chime in on the conversation. You know, that's 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 an interesting point. Um, a lot of times we we are a part of something that we're not really taking a positive uh, approach to. You know, social media, mm-hmm. um it's it's it can if you start if you start to talk about the effect of uh, racism and the trauma because a lot of times you suffer from PTSD when you experience uh, yeah. something, something like a, a really bad interaction with the police. You know, if that's a part, if, if you start to experience that uh, on a regular basis, even if it's not you, but you're seeing it, that's something that can really cause a lot of problems. And that's one of the things in, in the black community that we don't uh, fully address and fully deal with, you know, the trauma of living in a society where you deal with so many different issues that a lot of people don't have to deal with, uh, people of other uh, cultures don't have to deal with. So that's a part, that's, that needs to be a part of the conversation too when it comes to social media and what's yeah. going on, you know. Well, and you know, I wonder about this too, even from your aspect as an attorney, I wonder, if maybe you can speak to this, does that, does, do you see the effects of that show up? In some of your cases, are you seeing people who flinch or react because they're scared they may get getting ready to die just because they're in an interaction with the police officer, period? And then that causes trouble for them legally, where they now have to have an attorney and go to court. I mean, like, have you seen any effects of that in, in terms of your cases? Oh, without question. That's that's probably yeah. one of the one of the largest uh, percentages of, of bad interactions with police. People are traumatized. Mm-hmm. You're, like if you see something, it's like it's like relive. It's like watching a horror movie, and you wake up and you feel like you're in that horror movie. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of times, people, you know, you you see things on TV, you see things on on social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and people are having these horrible experiences with the police. And mm-hmm. when you get pulled over, you immediately react in a certain kind of way because you're afraid. You know, you're fear, fearful. And if you're if you're in that kind of situation and it happens to you, uh, the police are human beings, too. So they react a certain kind of way because everybody mm-hmm. deals with um, information and things being fed into them. And these, you know, they have a pre- pre- preconceived idea about whatever situation they're walking into nine times out of ten. So it, it's a it's a really, really tough situation. And one of the things that I think that we especially, you know, people of color, we need to have a. There needs to be information distilled to the community that tells you how to interact with law enforcement when you're pulled over or when you're in certain situations. Because the first thing you do is keep your head. You need to be calm. You need to let make sure that you you know you don't you don't freak out because that's gonna that's gonna get a reaction. And a situation oh. could have been de-escalated and could have changed if uh, you were able to handle it in a certain kind of way. And the police were able to, to handle it in a certain kind of way. So, the, and it's not, it's not that you, you know, it's not that you, you know, you, you just going crazy, but you're, you're scared. People yeah. are fearful. 
And if you're fearful, mm-hmm. you do certain things, and that just, you know, and you, you would think the police are trained to handle it a certain kind of way, but sometimes, you know, again, they're human beings, and sometimes they just don't do things the right way. That's what happens, you know? That was so um, profound. Because it also makes me think about we need some way, some places, something established for us to be able to go if we experience that and to be able to talk about it and to be able to share about it and be able to help get past that trauma so that the next interaction isn't that. You know, if you're feeling this, if you're feeling the pressure, and some of it, like I said, can even come from being attached to social media and seeing it over and over again and feeling, you know, this heightened danger, this heightened sense of danger because you see it all the time. Uh, it's just like people who watch murder mysteries always think that there's some guy with, you know, in, in the corner uh, with a knife. And, but the thing about us is that this is a real thing. And so our history has shaped what we see on social media. And what we're seeing on social media is shaping our everyday interactions with these police officers, the police officers and law enforcement, and just white, uh, uh, just oppression in general. Um, it, it's shaping these interactions with uh, white people. And so how do we remove that trauma? How do we get past that? You know, I know of some organizations here uh, in Memphis, well, it's a national organization, that uh, specifically deals with that. But I think we need more. We need more to um, address these issues. We always deal with uh, mental health, which is another um, important factor uh, of black life. But we always deal with it from, um, uh, we deal with the after effects. Yeah. But the maintenance and uh, maintaining the good health and maintaining um, the balance on the front end is often neglected until, you know, the trouble already comes. You know, it's weird. It's, it's almost like late. it's almost like you know how, you know, and, and this is something that that people who own businesses in mainstream America, you know, main just any business in general, you need to consider this. But you know how uh, if you if there's a runaway, there they have this sign you can put up in your business saying or your whatever your your business or your home, you can say safe place. I guess it's more business. It says safe mm-hmm. place. Have you seen those before? Like if, I have, I have, yeah. Yeah, and it's almost like you need to have that for for black people when it comes to interacting with, you know, mm-hmm. different business owners and, you know, just different walks of life because sometimes you go into a store and you could just, again, like we talked about earlier, just a normal kind of uh, function of life, just going to the grocery store, going to the mall and buying something. And it turns into something so tragic because yeah. people don't know how to interact with each other and we – you know, we we are so tired of being oppressed and dealt with in a certain way that, you know, we react a certain kind of way. And what happens is that goes crazy, may go viral, whatever. But there needs to be a understanding from the business owner standpoint. Like you own a restaurant in the French Quarter and you are uh, supporting unity. Let people know that. Let you Just tell people, hey, you know. This is a safe place where black people come spend their money. You know, I know y'all work hard. I know there's a lot of, you know, stuff that's going on out here. We we appreciate y'all's business. We want y'all to come in here and spend money. Say that. I love that. And, it's, and, and it also signals to us that we will be treated respectfully there. That's a great idea. Yeah. and, and that's, that's a great idea because so often that's that's our experience. The other trauma becomes you go someplace to, to do business, to patronize their business, and you treat it poorly. Right. That's traumatic. 
Right. That's another thing that adds to this weight that black people have to carry. So then it ends up being some small thing that can make to make an ex- uh, 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 something explosive, make a situation explosive. I know you see a lot of that too in criminal defense. It's and I, I worked in criminal defense doing marketing for a while, and I would hear these stories, and so often it would be something so small that would cause something devastating that would change all the lives of the people involved. Right, right. It, it, it was just the last thing. And it's because, like what you said, these things become trauma, PTSD, and these things add on, add on, add on. So we have to do more for our mental health. And that, too, speaks to the dark underbelly of social media, right? We're able to give us access to all these things. But it's also something that can harm us if we're not interacting with it appropriately. Right. And I agree 100 percent, you know, and we are we are loyal to a fault. Um, I think that's one of the, the issues that we deal with with the Democratic Party. That's not, I know you would love to go into there. We only have like but two minutes left. So, um, oh, my God, we're this loyal. Went so fast. I know it went so fast. We, we're, we just like all our conversation. This is we're loyal to a fault. Uh, but we need to, again, when you start talking about accountability and, and holding people in the non-negotiables, those have to be some of the some of the things that we talk about and we let people know. We put our foot down like now is now. You know, if you're in a bad relationship, you got to put your foot down and you got to lead that relationship, right? So the same right. goes for, you know, how we spend our money, how we how we deal with people uh, out in mainstream society. If you work, you, you know, we work, so we're such, such a hardworking people. We go out here and we bust our butts. And if you can't go and have dinner with your family or go to the mall and pick up a pair of shoes without being uh, traumatized, that's a huge issue. And it's 2021 and we shouldn't deal with that anymore. You know, that's something we have to we have to start working uh, towards getting past. And again, these are non-negotiables. You know, black economics are are everything. We're going to have another show on that um, that's specific to what black economics are and how it affects, uh, you know, America and how we drive so many different aspects of commercial and uh, economic growth in this country. And we need to you need to, we need to own that and we need to use it as a weapon, as a tool. I wouldn't say a weapon because that means war, but a tool. <laughs> <laughs> you can drop the mic on that. That's the point. <laughs> I, that, yes, sir. Thank you, Attorney Gray. Christian, Closing argument. <laughs> we, we appreciate you coming on today. We appreciate the conversation. Um, again, it's always it's always great to talk to you. So you, you're so well informed. You're so, you know, you're, you're, you're so, so um, adept at talking about so many different topics that, that all kind of tie into the same thing. And that's power for our people. So. Uh, with that, we're going to get out of here. I appreciate you for having the show. Thank uh, you. With that, we're going to get out of here. Down by law. WBOK. Thank you, guys. <laughs>